You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries. I'm telling you that the church of Jesus Christ today needs to be busy about rescuing sinners out of the jaws of death, hell, and the grave. It's time for us to start reaching them wherever they are, amen, and loving the sinner with the love wherewith Christ has loved them. And we have no business turning anyone down because of their past. So they have marching orders before you burn the city, you be sure look for those under the blood as christians our job is to bring people to christ as the great commission says go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost in today's message pastor gary says we must love non-believers and start reaching them wherever they are god wants to use us for his kingdom One of the best ways to do that is to love those around us while bringing them the gospel. Be honest with those around you while still being kind in truth. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua chapter 6. As he continues his message, we have our marching orders. I'm not about to bend, and if they start trying to force us uh, as pastors in the Baptist churches to marry homosexuals, you can count me out if I had to go to jail, because I'm not going to violate the Word of God for you or anybody else. Can I get an amen? But now we can get all mad, flushed, and frustrated about what they're doing. Now I preach against the homosexuals, but probably there ain't none in here. So I'm going to try to help us where we're at. What principles, what truths might we be violating in the church? And I'll let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you as He will. All I ask as a pastor is that you pay attention to the counsel that I give from the pulpit. You know why? Because I will give 99.9% of the counsel that you need from the pulpit. I'm serious. If people are spiritually discerned enough, they can pick up on what the Spirit's saying to the church. And they can learn how to apply it to their own lives without me having to come and babysit them and give them step-by-step instructions. When I mean, I can't tell you how many times people come and ask me for advice. And if they literally had just listened to the sermon I just preached, they would have got everything they needed. Amen. Amen. Amen I'm talking about just following the voice of God and the Word of God. Uh, I want to challenge this church to to pay attention to the counsel that the Spirit of God gives to us from the pulpit. Because I will seldom pull you to the side in private and bring up an issue if God has already brought it up in the pulpit. And here's why. Here's why Jesus would speak in parables. So that those who are spiritually discerned would pick up on it. And those who are not spiritually discerned would be totally clueless and god wouldn't even give them the advantage of revealing it to them why because they're not hungering and thirsting for it amen god's no god's not he told us not to do this and he's not going to he's not going to cast his pearls before swine why would he enlighten your eyes to some great truth if you've rejected what light he's already given you 
You hear, you see, see what I'm saying? And, and you've got to realize that some, many times the Holy Spirit is telling you exactly what you need to know if you'll just open your heart and open your mind and open your eyes and say, Lord, speak to me through the preaching of the Word of God and help me to hear what it is that you'll have. And I've preached to a hundred people and I've got different variations of how it helped people. And it might even seem like that one subject is completely unrelated to the next because God knows how to take that Word and tailor fit it for each and every individual as they need something from God. I've got up and preached on salvation and not a soul get saved. And I've got up and preached on praise and worship and two or three get saved. I, don't, I can't explain that. I just know that the Holy Spirit knows how to unlock the heart, open the mind, and the understanding to what's needed in every moment of every day of every hour. And He is a real-time God. He is a real-time God. That means He'll speak to you right now in this moment. Amen. And we, may, we need to be dictated by the Word of God. Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice. And I found, you know what I found? That the whole time we've had the Word of God in our hands, people still saying stuff that have nothing to do with this Bible. I found it in churches. Though they have the Bible on full display right up front, that nothing out of the pulpit comes anywhere close to what that Bible actually says. Or worse, I've seen from the pulpit the Word of God preached boldly, unapologetically, plainly, truthfully, and nobody in the congregation is willing to listen to it because they've got their own opinions, and that's more important than anything else. And God wants us to learn how to be dictated by the Word and otherwise quit talking. Because God's already said it. God's already spoken Amen. And I like what one preacher said, and I'll say it again. Speak where God has spoken. Speak what God has spoken and be silent where God's been silent. Amen. But I have no business saying something in direct contradiction to God's word. And I don't think it's fair to the pastors for churches today to expect the pastor to jump through man-made hoops that the Word of God strictly forbids them to jump through. Can I get an amen? And I thank God I don't feel like I'm being put, uh, forced through that kind of avenue here. I've been there before, but I'm rejoicing that y'all have given me freedom to come in here and ride back and preach the Word of God. Amen. And I say this, as long as we have the freedom to preach and obey the Word of God, we're going to be okay. Amen. We're going to be okay. But we need to pray for our fellow pastors who are struggling underneath the, the stress. They're trying to march around the walls of Jericho with God's covenant, with God's presence. They're trying to follow exactly and precisely the prescription that will bring the walls of division down. That'll bring the walls of opposition down. You, you can, you can uh, call them walls anything you want, but it's anything that opposes the voice and will of God for your life. And that preacher's doing everything he can to guide people, but the whole time he's preaching, they're coming back with a rebuttal. They're coming back with something else, and they've not learned to be quiet in the presence of God Almighty and to listen and to obey. And we need as a church to be constantly reminded that the Word of God is paramount above all else. And I've made up my mind as a preacher, I'm going to study the real deal so that I can identify any counterfeits or any fakes or any opposition to it. 
So we have our dictation, but number four, and lastly, I want to point something out. We can sit on this. We have our marching orders for discipleship. You see, where do you see discipleship in this preacher? I'm glad you asked. Amen. Look at chapter 6, verse 20. We're going to read verses 20 through 24. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. By the way, archaeologists have since discovered that uh, the the walls that fell flat. Did y'all know that? Amen. Ain't that a blessing? Uh, So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep, ass with the edge of the sword, verse 22. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. Oh, y'all remember that harlot, don't you? What was her name? Rahab the harlot. Y'all remember what she did, don't you? She hid the spies and protected them and, and enabled them to escape out of the city. And there was a covenant made. She, made it, she struck a deal with them. And we see a picture of grace where they told her, said, if you'll leave this scarlet thread in your window and make sure that all the family you want to be saved is in the house with you, we'll, we'll spare every life where that scarlet thread is found. That's a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And how it can be uh, cover you. Just like, remember when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is just another symbolism of what grace can do. And look at who God is using. He's using a harlot of all people. Could you imagine this, uh, this discussion in the, in the committee meeting of the church? How are we going to go in here and spy out the land? And could you imagine the pastor telling the deacons, here's what I want you to do. When you go into Jericho, I want you to find a, uh, the red light district. And I want you to pretend like you're just messing around with women. That would mess us up, wouldn't it? <laughs> we would have to figure out another way. We wouldn't do that. And I'm not advocating for you men going out and starting a red light district ministry either, so don't misquote me this morning. <laughs> but I simply point this out to say God does some very unusual things that don't look kosher to us sometimes. And you never know what God's actually doing behind the scenes. It looked like one thing, but it was a completely different thing. It was just a cover, a hiding. It was a way they knew they could get into the city without it standing out. It it was nothing unusual for visitors to come in and then leave, right? So that was the easiest way for them to go in under the radar without being detected, without any suspicions being risen. And so what did she do? She hid them. And now what, what, what Joshua was telling these two spies to do Look at it again. We're in chapter 6. I think we're verse 24. Uh, no, verse 23. The young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab. This is what Joshua told them to do. Brought out her father, her mother, her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Now pay attention. And they burnt the city with fire. I see here a picture of soul winning evangelism and discipleship. I think she got born again when she hid the spies. I really do. 
And I think there was already a change in her life. Amen. And she began to win souls. Do you see that in the text? She began to say, if you want to be spared of destruction that is to come, you better fall underneath the scarlet thread of the blood of Jesus Christ. I could hear her witnessing to them people, her family. Now look, uh, y'all may think this is crazy, but I'm telling you, the, the God's coming and judging this old city, and if you're not safe, you're going to be judged. The only way you're going to be safe is to get under this scarlet thread. Amen. And so she, she not only got saved, she began to soul win and bring others in with her. And a whole family got in on it. Amen. I'm glad that God can save the whole family and not just one or two. Aren't you? And by the way, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to tell others what Jesus did for you. Amen. And then you can begin to disciple and, and make disciples of, of men. And look what God did. God pulled them out of the city before he set it on fire. And that's a picture of the grace of God, how he pulls us out of the jaws of death, hell, and the grave before he pours out his judgment on this earth. Amen. I'm glad that God still saves sinners from pending judgment, aren't you? And I'm telling you that the church of Jesus Christ today needs to be busy about rescuing sinners out of the jaws of death, hell, and the grave. It's time for us to start reaching them wherever they are. Amen. And loving the sinner with the love wherewith Christ has loved them. And we have no business turning anyone down because of their past. So they have marching orders. Before you burn the city, you be sure. Look for those under the blood, if you will. Amen. Look for those. This is, this is of course, a metaphor of that. Amen. And I want to say this. Never underestimate the plan that grace has for a sinner. Amen. Many times uh, we like to identify people by the outward appearance. And we say, oh, so-and-so will make a great servant of the Lord. Or so-and-so will be a great one to send to Bible college. And amen. And, and we'll pick those that, that do very well for themselves. And they've got their cells all pulled together real good. And, and we will try to invent somebody uh, that we can be proud of and that we can push forward and that we can promote as our own. But then comes along the Lord and scrapes up some harlot off the street somewhere, saves them by His grace, and she sets the world on fire for Jesus while we only pretend to and dream of the day that we might be able to. And I think if we just get in the business of loving every sinner, wherever they are, whatever they've done, don't be judgmental, don't be pharisaical. Amen. Don't be walking by them with, with your nose pinched. Acting like your, their sin smells worse than yours. Come on. I'm talking about where the church needs to be. We have our marching orders. We need to bust out of here. And we need to go reach some people. I'm praying. I'm, every chance I get now, I'm laying my hands on this, uh, this uh, school bus out here. And I'm praying God sends somebody with a burden that has the physical strength and ability to work this ministry. Amen. And go out and reach the lost and fill that bus up with youngins that need Jesus desperately. Say, why don't you do it, preacher? Have you checked my schedule lately? Amen. It's, I, I would if I could, but the, I, I don't need to. God needs to raise up somebody else to do that. I'm doing what I'm called to do. That's to preach the Word. And give the dictates of the Lord through the Word of God to His church. So this is where we're at. Would there be one in our midst that would pray and surrender to that ministry should God touch your heart? 
Would there be one that would get a burden for the homeless? Pray for ways that we could reach out more effectively to the homeless. Would there be one among us that would get a burden and pick up the ministry for our widows and really make sure that they're followed up on and taken well care of? See, there's so much that we can do to reach out to the broken and the desperate and the hurting and the lonely. Can I get an amen, church? Uh, And I believe that we are called as much to be disciples and to make disciples as we are to worship the Lord. And here's where the church has made a mistake. We said our highest calling is to worship God. And so it is. But we forgot that to worship God in spirit and to truth is not just an act that we go through on Sunday morning, but it is a lifestyle of obedience. True worshipers will follow the truth. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And would you be praying about maybe uh, winning souls in the witness room during our dental bus ministry? Uh, A lot of times these people that come into the dental bus ministry, are uh, they're down on their luck. They don't have insurance. They have a hard time making ends meet. And uh, if we didn't do this, they would go another year without dental procedures. These are the kinds of people that the Lord wants the church to step up to the plate and minister to. And that's why I'm glad that we do these kinds of things. But I think the church needs to look for ways uh, not just to raise their hands on Sunday morning, but to extend their hands on Monday through Friday or Saturday. Say, how can I help the broken? How can I get more involved? But I don't have time, preacher. We have time for what we make time for. We do. Would anybody object to that thought? I would just challenge you to calculate how much, how many hours you spend uh, on either social media and or television in a given week. And then ask yourself this question, do I really have time to do more for God or am I just making excuses? But I'm not prepared. I'm not trained well. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. Take that t- time that you have available and prepare yourself. Get your hands ready for battle. Figure out what needs to be done and do it. You do that for your career. You figure out how to get the raise. You figure out how to get the promotion. You figure out how to get the job by filling out an awesome resume. And some of you might even lie on your resume to get the job. Uh Uh-oh. We'll do just about anything to figure out how to make it in life. But how come we drop the ball when it comes to the needed work of ministry? We prioritize everything else in our lives. But the house of God continues to lie waste as we dwell in our sealed houses, drive our fancy cars, amen, float around on our fancy boats, uh, and the church can't even afford to do the things that we're called to do because we're in love with this world and we're not in love with Jesus. I'm talking about we have our marching orders. You say you're awful hard on us this morning, preacher. I feel like I'm in the book. I feel like it's the book that's being hard on us. What would have happened had these two spies discarded the worth of this harlot and said, you know what? We just used her and she obviously didn't mind being used so let's just set the city on fire. Let's just forget about her. Do you realize that they would have burned up and destroyed the life through whose lineage would come the Christ child. 
You study the lineage of Christ. You can trace it back. Because what happened is this harlot got saved. She married a Jew. And she lived the rest of her life serving the true God. And through her lineage comes the Christ child. Never underestimate the plan God has for the most broken among us. Because it is a magnificent and beautiful redemptive plan and we need to start learning how to just follow God's voice and doing what He says do and leaving the results up to Him. But think of the carnage that could be avoided today in countless families when we take our marching orders from the Lord and obey them with every step. I wish I had time to tell you the stories this morning and I don't, but there have been many throughout the years that I've either preached to and or pastored that ignored the warning of Scripture, ignored the counsel of the preaching of God's Word. Some of them are already in the grave today if they'd only listened. Some of them, they're not in the grave, but they might as well be. They're as walking dead men if they'd only listened. And sadly, some of them are still walking in their sin thinking they're happy, but they don't see that destruction lies around the corner. They're in one of those three categories. They're either living high and good and they don't see no danger coming. Or they've lived that life and now catastrophe is hit and they have hardly nothing left to live for. Or... They're six feet under because they would not heed the Word of God. And you can live in sin all you want to. And you can do all you want, but you cannot remove yourself from the consequences. And as a church, we need to live holy ourselves. Amen. That's not a popular subject to preach on today. We need to live right. We need to practice what we preach. I don't like the word practice. I'd rather do the real thing, wouldn't you? Amen. We need to do what we preach. And then we need to hold this next generation accountable. You know what's going to help this young generation? Not entertaining them. Not being their best friend being cool and hip and all that, but loving them. Kids today are starved for love. They don't get it at home a lot of times, unfortunately. They don't get it at school a lot of times, unfortunately. And so some of them now are joining gangs because the gangs give them a family. It's a bitter family to be a part of. Because in order to join that kind of family, you have to be hurt to join it, and you'll be hurt if you leave it. Gang initiation. It's amazing to me how people would rather live in a gang than to live lonely and feel isolated and rejected. But it happens every single day. And it's time for the church to learn how to love again. Just love people. Bring them to your house and 
feed them once a week or something. Spend some time with them. Go to their ball game. Let them know how proud you are of them when they make an accomplishment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not rocket science. If we could figure out how to love people better than anybody else loves them, we can win this next generation. It don't take a whole lot. We don't have to have all the lights, camera, and actions, fog machines, and all of that. Just love the sinner, and the sinner will fall in love with the Savior. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, GaryCuddle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. We'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Cottle Ministries, 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. That's 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. Thank you for partnering with us, and thank you for listening today to True North.